Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I'm comforted by that, that he knows everything. My God knows everything. It separates my God from everybody else's false God. Because everybody knows the past. Some people were aware of the present, but only God knows the future. Jesus said, I tell you those things before they happen, that when they come to pass, you will know that I am he. One thing that separates Jesus from every other would-be deity is that he knows the future and speaks the future with authority, and he's never been proven wrong. Everything God said would be, has been. And the few little things that are left are on their way right now. As Pastor Bill teaches from the Book of Romans today, he addresses the topics of God's foreknowledge and predestination, while acknowledging that these concepts are difficult to understand and have been controversial for a long time. He reminds us that we can be encouraged by God's foresight. God knows the future and he holds the universe in his hands. So we can have a peace knowing that God is in control and nothing surprises him. This is the God that we know. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter 8 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. In this last chunk of Romans, we're going to talk about two Two pretty big issues. We're going to look at one very controversial topic and issue. Deals with predestination, that God predestines us to be saved, to be, to, to be conformed into his image. We're going to look at that and why that's such a controversy and where we fall with that. But then we're going to look at the love of God. And as we close this chapter out, God wants to, he makes a real emphatic point of making it, making it very emphatic that there's nothing that is able to separate us from his love, that the way God loves us, there's not really another love like his love. And so we're going to look at that. But look at Romans chapter eight. We're going to start at verse 29. And it says this it says for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And this ends up being very controversial. So I'm going to go ahead and knock that out right up in the beginning. Maybe some of you have never heard. I don't want to I don't want to bore you with some facts that are out there, but also want to educate us because there's some people out there that this is, you know, they they believe differently and are very aggressive about trying to get people to believe it their way. So when it comes to this issue of being predestined, right, God says here, whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. These are big things that like we don't we don't we're, we're not in God's mind. Like, I'm, I'm not God. I don't. I don't I don't predestine something. I don't know the beginning of a thing to an end. But God says, I have predestined you. But he gives us a hint and a clue as to how it works. It says whom he foreknew. He all those he also predestined. So God says, look, those that I foreknew, I predestined. So let me tell you the, the, the side of the argument I disagree with. It's called Calvinism or Reformed theology. And they end up over here. They say, well, look, since God predestined people for heaven, then he also must have predestined people for hell. We don't see that. That's not, we don't read that here. We don't read that in the Bible. I, I can't find you a verse that said God, God, they look at it like this, that God went and said, you for heaven, you for heaven. No, not for you, 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 and not you. That's what they say happened. I disagree. God is working some things that we don't really have in our back pocket. God says, whom he foreknew. So what did God foreknow? He knew everything, right? The Bible says about you and me that before the foundations of the world, God had elected you. You had been you had been you had been separated to him before the foundations of the world. So before before Adam and Eve in the garden, God knew Bill Buffington would be saved one day. 
I was just talking to a brother last week about this. When I look back at some of the years I spent as a non-believer and how I lived my life as a non-believer, like it's amazing for me to consider that even at that time, God knew what I would be eventually. He knew that I would eventually bow my knee and surrender my heart and be born again, even when I didn't know. If someone would have told me in high school, one day you're going to be a pastor, it would have been very laughable. It would have been laughable to me. Anybody that knew me then, it would have been laughable to think that one day... Yes, you're going to be married. You're going to have one wife. You're going to, you know, you're going to just, you're going to be a minister at a church. All that would have been laughable, but God knew. He foreknew all these things. And so we, we live outside of God. God, God's outside of time, right? God knows everything, the beginning of a thing from the end. We don't, when we try to comprehend how he works with our limited ability, we have to either trust in faith that if God said it, that's how he did, that's how he did it. I don't need to understand it. Because I'm not God, right? I can't, I, can't, I can't understand everything that he does. I'm not a God. I'm, I'm a created being. And so I think when people try to get real technical and try to make someone want to figure out how that works, you start adding in stuff that's not there. I'm a little more simple than that. If God said, who, I'm, who I foreknew, I'm saying, okay, God, you foreknew. What did he foreknow? Now, I believe this. I believe God knew those that would surrender to him. I believe God knew those that wouldn't. If you're writing verses down, I want you to write down John chapter 6, verse 64. And in John 6, this is a, a there's been a, not a, kind of a back and forth going on between Jesus and some people that are going to no, no longer follow him. And he says something really interesting in, in, in verse, in John chapter 6, verse 66. Well, I always thought that's a trip. It's John 666. There's a group of people that turn away to walk with him no more. But in John chapter 6, verse 64, I want you to notice what happens. It says, but there are some of you who do not believe for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were, who did not believe and who would betray him. So as Jesus is there the whole time, he's like, I already know who's going to believe, who's not going to believe. Right. When Jesus picked the 12 disciples and he picked Judas Iscariot, it wasn't like he was like, yo, I, I can't believe Judas did that to me. And I washed your feet. I multiplied the loaves. You know, I, I'm, it wasn't like Jesus was shocked. He needed a mole. He needed someone to surrender him over. He knew that he picked, you know, what he picked when he picked Judas. It wasn't like he was surprised. He knew that Judas would betray him. And when he looked at this group and John said, Jesus, I, I already know who's going to believe and who's not going to believe. So as I come back to Romans and God says, whom he foreknew, right? God, God foreknew. God already knew those that would surrender, those who would believe, those who would come to him. And so therefore he chose whom he foreknew. He also predestined. And it would be like this, right? I don't gamble. I don't, I'm not encouraging gambling. But if, if, if I foreknew the, the next group of lottery numbers and I went down to wherever your local lottery dealer and I, I went and put the numbers in, it wouldn't be gambling for me if I already knew. It would just be, it'd be a wise investment. I mean, that's the best $1 I ever spent, you know? I mean, it wouldn't be gambling if I, oh, I foreknew, right? I would never lose. I would only, that's why I look at them people that, you know, to make, let me tell you a fortune and give you your lucky numbers. You wouldn't need my 599 to give me my lucky numbers. If you knew the lucky numbers, you would be balling. So we already know that's a hoax. But if I foreknew, I would never, I would be rich. I, I mean, I, it wouldn't be gambling. I wouldn't even be sinning. I'd be down there like, it's, it's just it's the best dollar I spend every week. I just go down there, throw my dollar, put the numbers in. I'll be at the horse tracks, Lucky Bread and, and Granola Brown. You know, I'll be just calling the winners left and right. So that's where God's living at. God's looking down saying, look, I know, I know from eternity past that this person on their deathbed is going to surrender to me. I, I predestined them. And I know from 
from eternity past that this person is going to get saved at this point. He's working from a place that we, we, we don't work from. So I read this and I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I, look, I start looking back at my non-believer life and saying, I wonder if because he foreknew I would be saved. Because there was a lot of things that could have happened and should have happened that did not happen to me. I'm the only one in my immediate circle of friends. There's certain things that just didn't happen to me. I did the same things they did. I did worse things than some of them did. And there are certain things that just seemed like God kept it from me. Didn't let me, didn't let me get wrapped up that bad. And I look back and I think, is it because you knew that I was going to be yours one day and that that was going to hinder, you know, me being able to go certain places or do certain things? And so, you know, back then I'm thinking I don't get caught because I'm smooth. I'm like, well, I'm smooth. Y'all got caught. I don't know what y'all doing. But I look back on it now and I realize that wasn't nothing smooth about me. I think that there was a covering. I think that God was looking over saying, you're acting a fool right now, but one day, one day, you already see you as mine, so I'm going to go ahead and cover that, and I'm going to go ahead and protect that. And, and I'm not kidding you. When I look back over my life, I, there are things that I did that I wouldn't have graduated high school, but, but God intervened. I cheated on my senior year on a history exam where I would have got an F, and with an F, you wouldn't graduate, but the teacher that I cheated in his class, for whatever reason, looked at me, called me in. He tried to call my parents' house, realized that I wasn't living by my mom's and I wasn't at my dad's. And he said, man, this kid probably got a messed up family life. I'm going to just give you that D and let you graduate. That's how I graduated. I, I didn't graduate high school on my own merit. So mom and dad don't know that, but y'all know now, you know. <laughs> so I look back and I think, wow, I wouldn't have graduated high school. But for, for that mercy right there, there were more than one occasion where I should have gone to jail, but I didn't go to jail. At one point, somebody actually was arrested for me. And I was sure that they were going to talk and they didn't talk. I wasn't threatening them. I wasn't out there holding pistols and nothing, but they never gave me up and I never went to jail. Never went to jail, never been to, never been in prison or anything like that. And I look back and I just think God had, he had a mercy. He knew one day you're going to be, one day it's all going to turn around. And I look back now and I think, wow, you know, what I was so arrogant about back then, thought I was so smooth. I look back and just think God was so merciful to a sinner. Merciful. So, whom he foreknew. So everybody here that's saved, right? When you got saved and everybody else was shocked, God was like, I knew. I wasn't shocked. He wasn't surprised. You know, you, some of us got saved and people were like, you? You, you go where you going Sunday? I'm, you going to church? For what? You know, a funeral? You know, some of y'all, people be blown away to see you start making transformation and turning around. But God said, no, I knew. I saw it coming. This, this is, you know, I saw this in eternity past, you know. So whom he foreknew, again, it says he also predestined. So to foreknow something is that you know in advance. This is what the word predestined means. If you're writing notes, write down this definition. It means to mark out, to appoint, or to determine beforehand. To mark out, to appoint, or to determine beforehand. So God said, look, before eternity, before you even created, I had marked you out. I had pointed you out. I had already called you what you were going to be. We see that in scripture, right? God said, man, when, when you were in your mother's womb, right? God said, I already, already appointed you. I already know what you're going to be. You, you're in the womb yet. We, mom and dad don't even know you're going to be a boy or girl yet outside of God. God's already decided what your, what your lot in life is. I know what you're going to be gifted to be and called to be and called to do. So, Kumi foreknew. He also predestined. And this is what God predestines us to do. And this is where, this is where we get involved. What's God chosen? God, you, you've gone through all this stuff to before the foundation of the world. You knew who I was. You foreordained. You predetermined that I would be with you. And 
you've chosen me. You predestined me to be yours, but predestined me to do what? And this is it right here, to be conformed into the image of his son. God, I want to I want to conform you into the image of my son. Conforming is a little different. We know also we're going to be transformed. When you think of the kids go to the beach and they get the little molds of sand and, you know, because you can't make a real good castle with your bare hands unless you're real gifted. You know, they got the little molds and you stuff the water and the, the sand in there. You make a mold and it's conformed into the image of the mold. God, I want to I want you to be conformed into the image of my son. And this is where we either we cooperate or not with the Lord. This part right here, we can kind of drag out. Because some people come to the Lord and God says, I give you everything you need out the gate. The Holy Spirit, you got it. The word of God, you got it. I'm working from the inside out. I mean, I'm, I'm at work, but some of us yield to the work and it just seems to this man, the work just rapidly goes forth and you're being conformed and you're not the person you used to be and your language changed and your attitude changed and what you desire changed and, and things just change radically. And before you know it, a year in, you're looking and saying, you like a whole, you look brand new. You look like something totally different. You know, you don't look in the physical realm, but 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 who you are has has been radically you know transformed as you come to Christ. But other people, some of y'all are resistant. Some of y'all are like nappy hair, and it just just like you just call me. It won't do right. I pulled it this way, and it went bang. It went that way. That's how some of us are. And guys, I'm trying to conform you, and you just blop blop. You just you won't. You so the work is God's still the one doing the work, but you making it hard. You making it take forever. You he have he keep having to redo. And I throw some more water on. We got to start all over again. Some of us, that's how we do. But you know what? This is encouraging. Philippians 1, 6, God said, for he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He gonna, he's going to finish it. But, I, you know, for me, this is just me. And I have my encouragement to you guys. If God's got a purpose and a plan for me and there's something God's trying to work out in my life. You know, I, I'd like to see it already. You know, I'd like to kind of get on and, and get with it. I'd like to, if God, this is what you created me to be. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to mess off 10 years and then finally say, okay, you know, now I'm a, now I'm a go. I, I want to get with it right now. I want to get moving. I want to get moving in the direction of what you called me, gifted me, whatever. So my life is not being wasted. He still loves you. And we're going to talk about that. If you ain't here messing up, he loves you. He, he love God love God loves his mess up kids and he's merciful and everything else. But you missing out. You missing out on being all that you could be. So whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So Jesus was the, you know, John three sixteen the only begotten son of God. But now he's got many brothers and sisters, right? That he's the firstborn among many brethren, that there be many of us that are adopted into the family of God. And that we be conformed to the image of Christ. And so when you look at Christ, you look at the life of Jesus, right? He says in John, I do always those things that please the father. He lived his life out for the glory of God. He lived a sacrificial life. He lived an obedient life. He was a, it was a consistent life and ended up being a very powerful and effective life. And God said he's the firstborn among many brethren. We, we've been adopted into the family. We're joint heirs with Jesus. Right. Everything that's available to him, it's available to us. God says, that's that's what I want. I want to conform you into the image of my son that you might enjoy all of that that I want to do for you. So often people who are resisting the, the conformity, the conforming to his image, it's it's in order to keep their hands on something or some way of life, some attitude, some something that's holding you back from just saying, God, have have your way. And this is the. The, the challenging thing as believers, right? I never get to experience all of what God wants to give me 
until I'm all in, right? I don't get to hold on to some of my old stuff. And so I'm, I, I think God has something cool. So I'm going I'm to I'm I'm be moving in this direction, but I'm not letting go of this fully. I'm going to hang on to this, even if you're hanging on to it in your mind and in your heart, because God sees that. Some of you are actually hanging on to it, you know, just kind of tucked it away. Some of y'all got two lives that y'all live in, your public life and your private life. God sees both. And so God says, I, I, can't, I can't do what I want to do in this condition. You got to let it all the way go and come on over here. Then you'll see what I want to do. And for some of you, that's the encouragement. You're going to know that God loves you. You're going to know that he foreknew you and he predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son. But for some of you, today is going to be a day where you, you make a choice. Let me let go of the things that are holding, that are, that are holding back my progress in God. I want to experience all that God has. Do, do we know that God is good? For some of us, we got to just think about that for me. He's good. So why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you just say, God, you know what? What you have has to be better than whatever I've achieved, whatever I've gone after. I'm going to just give you, I'm going to just give rights over to you. Because you don't get to really see what he's going to do till you do that. You don't get to, you know, you, you might fool some people into thinking that, oh, I've sold all the way out to the Lord. But God's looking and saying, nah, I see what you got in your back pocket. I see what's over there in the thing. I see, I see them other things that nobody else see. I see them. And so God said, man, surrender everything to me so we can get moving. I, I want to conform you to the image of my son. I have great plans, great things that he wants to do in and through us. And so once again, I just want to read that verse one more time. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And one question that, you know, a lot of people are, you know, that make this verse controversial contemplate is, did he just foreknow those that would be saved or did he foreknow who he would choose? And like I said, let's look at the verse in John 6, 64. As I look at many other verses, I believe that God foreknew those that would believe, those that would come to him. You find some people that are disagree harshly with that. And I would I always challenge them. Show me the verses that say God predestined somebody to hell because it's double predestination that they go. You always go beyond scripture when you just can't take God at face value. I'm happy to believe that God looked into eternity past and said, I, I know he's going to believe because I see that trend in scripture. I see people in scripture that God told Samson's mother who wanted a kid but couldn't have a kid. So you're going to have finally the angel came and told her you're going to have a son. But God told her, right, you're going to have a son. You're going to name him. This is going to be a Nazarite. And she said, look, 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 he's going to begin to deliver Israel from the Philistines. What? God knew he was only going to get it started. God knew he wasn't going to fully get it done. God knew he wasn't going to. God wasn't shocked when Samson went out there and got Delilah and had his honey issues and, and was getting hindered in the process. God said, but he's going to from the very beginning when he was telling mom that she's going to have him, God, that he's going to begin to do this. That's what he's going to do. God already knew. And so I don't have a problem with God knowing something in advance. Actually, I'm, I'm encouraged by that. I'm comforted by that, that he knows everything. My God knows everything. It separates my God from everybody else's false God. Because everybody knows the past. Some people were aware of the present, but only God knows the future. Jesus said, I tell you those things before they happen, then when they come to pass, you will know that I am he. One thing that separates Jesus from every other would-be deity is that he knows the future and speaks the future with authority, and he's never been proven wrong. Everything God said would be has been. And the few little things that are left are on their way right now. So moving on now, look at verse 30. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called, whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. 
One thing I would like to point out to you, and I'm going to come back to it, but how each thing is in the past tense. For new, predestined, to be conformed, to think he called them, and then he justified them, then he glorified them. And I want you to listen to everything he says there. It's all past tense, right? I foreknew, that's past tense. I predestined, that's past tense. To be conformed is in the past tense. Then he called, that's in the past tense. Then he justified, then he glorified. And I just want you to see that God is looking at things from a different perspective than we are, right? I got up this morning like you and I looked in the mirror at what is right now. And I didn't see glorified. I don't see, I'm not in my glorified state. None of y'all in your glorified state. Some of us know it better than others, but we're not there yet. We all know that right now I am currently a work in progress. I'm not what I was, thank God, but I'm not what I'm going to be, not finished yet either. But when God looks upon us, God says, I see the thing already done. I see, I see it all the way to completion already. From his point, he already sees it done. So look at these things here. For those that he predestined, it says these he also called. Called to what? Called to himself called us to live for him, called us to be surrendered, called us into his service. God said, look, those that I predestined, I've called. And whom he's called, he says, these he also has justified. What does it mean, justified? We talked about this earlier in Romans. Justification is a, a wonderful thing for the believer. God does this in the life of those that have put their faith in Jesus. His death, burial, and resurrection, God said, you've been justified. And some have taken that word and kind of broken it down and said, just as if I'd. Never sinned. That's my position before God. As a sinner, as a broken human being, God says, I see you justified just as if you never did it. That's the position that you have in me. Not because I haven't actually sinned, but I've been justified. Christ has made me. He's given me a position before God as a justified person. It'd be like going into court and you broke the law and they got it on video and there's no arguing the case. You, that's you on the video. That's your face. That's your mug. You did the, you broke the law. You did the crime and you're standing there and you get off. And you, all right, it's just like you never did it. No penalty. There's no, no jail sentence. There's no record. There's nothing. You, you're, it's completely wiped off like you never did it. That's what God has done for the believer. We're justified. Now, some of us won't forget. We, we, some of us hold our past failures. There are people that, are so ashamed of whatever they were before Christ that they won't see themselves the way God sees them, justified. They keep looking at me, I can't believe I did that. I'm so embarrassed that I did that. And I'm so, and we need to come to a place where we see ourselves the way he sees us, but I've been justified. So I'm not going to live there no more. I'm not going to do it to myself. I'm not going to let other people do it to me. In God's eyes, I've been justified. My, my standing before God is clean. I'm right. I'm just, it's just like I've never did it. I have access to God. I can pray. I can look forward to going and being with him. I don't have to be afraid of death. For me, death will be my interest in eternity. That's what justification does for the believer. And some people will struggle with this yourself. And other people, you may struggle because people throw your past at you. This happened to me as I got going in ministry. I had people that were like, you know, I had people that literally told me they would never come to a church where I preach. Literally because of stuff I did in high school. And I'm like, that was a long time ago. You know, like, my goodness, you're so unforgiving now, but you need to go, you need to go to church anyway. But, you know, I was blown away. I mean, I literally had someone that they took the time to seek me out and get my phone number to tell me that I really shouldn't. I, it's not right for me to be doing what I'm doing, because I'm like, that was I was in like 1992 and three, like a long time ago. Like, even if I hadn't got saved, that was old. But I, I already repented of it and I'm forgiven. But. 
you know what? I, I can't. I don't. I didn't let that. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't not preach that week. You know, I didn't slow down what I was doing. It's like, hey, I'm justified. I'm thankful that I'm just. I'm, I'm thankful for what God has done in, in, in the life of every believer. Romans 5, 3 to 5 says, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Paul knew suffering, and he had faced false accusations, been beaten, left for dead, imprisoned, and hated by his own people. How could a man who has suffered so much rejoice in it? He answers that question through the love of God and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Next time you're facing suffering, jump into the book of Romans, dig into the life of Paul, and remember the purpose of the suffering to produce endurance, character, and hope. We're so glad you joined us today on A Transforming Word, where Pastor Bill Buffington has been working his way through the rich book of Romans. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're in the area, we'd love to see you in person. We have two services on Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. and one service midweek. That one is held Wednesday evenings at 7. If you're not in the area, we live stream our services on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also find us online at calvaryinglewood.org. Under the media tab, you'll find links to our messages as well as our mobile app. We're out of time for today. Thanks for deciding to spend your time with us today. We'll see you again next time with more from Romans on a Transforming Word.